Hey, this is Sandy. And Randy. And we're here on AT Corner. Being an athletic trainer comes with ups and downs, and we're here to showcase it all. Join us as we share our world in sports medicine. Welcome back to another episode of AT Corner. For this education episode, we are going to be talking about a pain in the butt. Piriformis. Yes, we are talking about piriformis syndrome, and this is going to be the last education episode of this reporting cycle so one last chance to get those ceus yeah so if you guys are interested in the ceus this is eligible for ceus make sure you check the show notes for all the details for the course evaluation for the course quiz um everything you need is down in the show notes below or just go ahead and email us at atcornerds at gmail.com and if you like to find all the references for this episode you can find those on our website again also in the show notes Yes. So for this episode, like we're talking, like we said, it's all about piriformis syndrome. We'll be describing the anatomy of the posterior hip. We'll discuss the evaluation process for someone that you suspect might have piriformis syndrome. And then we're going to discuss some therapeutic interventions to address piriformis syndrome. I feel like piriformis syndrome is one of those things that's not like, oh, you have an ACL tear, you are done. Yes. It's like, Let's work through this. It's a long term. It's a more chronic. It literally is a pain in the butt. It literally is. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was interesting kind of reading up on it that a lot of people were like, oh, it's overdiagnosed and underdiagnosed all at the same time. I was kind of thinking that because <laughs> I feel like people kind of just go into like, you know how many people come in and they're like, I have sciatica. Yes. Yeah. What a, a lot of people have kind of viewed it as it's kind of like a diagnosis of exclusion. Well, it's not all these things, so it's piriformis syndrome. Well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, why don't we start with our lovely anatomy? Why don't we figure out what's going That's on? That's right. The gift that keeps <laughs> on giving. Yes. So when we talk about the posterior hip, especially with piriformis syndrome, of course, we're going to start with the muscles because why not? So that posterior hip, right? We have your glute max, your glute med. Also, the forgotten glute minimus, right? If we have a maximus, we probably have a minimus. Um, so what people don't consider, too, as part of that posterior hip, or at least don't think about it, I should say, is that proximal hamstrings, right? The the hamstrings do attach or originate from the um, ischial tuberosity, so they are part of that posterior hip. And as we talk more about the evaluation process of uh, piriformis syndrome, right, the proximal hamstrings could play a role. Well, especially when you're talking about glute activation and hip extension yes absolutely um but when we're talking about that glute pain that kind of that like deep glute pain right similar to piriformis syndrome we have to talk about the deep external rotators right so i know this is everyone's favorite remembering the superior gemellus the inferior gemellus obturator internus obturator externus quadratus femoris and then of course the piriformis. And this what is what we're here for today. Yes, I was saying this is the one that we will focus on. Uh, it originates from the anterior sacrum and the sacrotuberous ligament. Um, it's kind of right around where that greater sciatic notch would be, which if you're trying to visualize that, that's just inferior to the PSIS. So if you're thinking about your palpations, just drop down a little bit and you'll find the uh, greater sciatic notch. Um, it inserts into the greater trochanter. All right. So the actions, like we already said, it's part of the external rotators so, so it's, i hope it does external rotation it does do uh external rotation but the piriformis is a very unique muscle it does external rotation like in extent in hip extension or even like hip neutral but when it's in hip flexion the piriformis actually does internal rotation 
and it is an uh, a small abductor as well. Hmm. That's why I was thinking about. It. That's why the figure four stretch stretches the piriformis because it's in hip flexion and external rotation. Yeah. So since piriformis is an internal rotator when you're in hip flexion, mm-hmm. it now stretches piriformis because it's the opposite. Yeah. Huh. Wild, huh? It's a good way to remember it. Yeah, and it and it's basically because of the change in the line of pull, right? So it's not like the muscle's necessarily doing anything fancy anymore. It's just because of the angle it's at, the line of pull makes it into that internal rotator. It's kind of like the TFL. Yes, excellent. Um, exactly. Um, so talked about the muscles. Now the next thing that's involved when we start talking about piriformis syndrome, and that's the nerves. All right. So obviously the big one that. Um, is really implicated with piriformis syndrome is the sciatic nerve, mm-hmm. right? That's that giant nerve coming from um, the lumbar spine all the way down into the posterior uh, posterior leg, right? That's the, that's the major nerve before it branches off into a couple other major nerves that go into the lower leg, right? But another one that we do have to kind of consider is the pudendal nerve. Um, the reason is because this can kind of help your differential because uh, this is another nerve that can get compressed by some of those deep uh muscles of the hip uh this one really kind of innervates more kind of like the genitalia um kind of like anus rectum area so the patient may be complaining of some symptoms there so that's why it is kind of important to kind of take that history to kind of understand you know if they are having some issues in those areas that okay we might be looking at this kind of issue and it can kind of help that referral process of okay who who am i going to send you to oh that's true i feel like sciatic nerve is definitely like the Stealing the thunder of the pudendal, like raise your hand if you've ever heard of pudendal, like no one. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And it's not like we, like at least in our population, I feel like we don't necessarily see a lot of people with those kind of complaints. That's true. I also feel like you don't, like for us, it's more like, okay, you have nerve pathology. Let me refer you to someone. Yeah. Okay. Now we'd like someone else determined which nerve it actually is. Now I, that gives me a little bit more information. Yeah. So keep that in mind, though. Like if uh, um, like you're kind of getting stuck on like a certain situation, right? you might want to ask about some of those other histories. Like where, where else do you have pain or other issues that might be popping up? Right. Um, so one unique thing about piriformis syndrome is there, there are some anatomical variations that pre- may predispose someone... Um, to piriformis syndrome right and basically it's variations in how the sciatic nerve tracks around the piriformis syndrome right that nerve's going to track away from the spine which means it's going to have to interact with the surrounding musculature right and this is where the the problem actually lies right so in a normal quote-unquote like what the average anatomy (laughs) would probably be is the sciatic nerve descends down the leg by passing under the inferior portion of the uh, piriformis. So that's where it'll kind of start to reveal itself is on the inferior portion of the piriformis. Mm -hmm. But there are some, and I think that was like 80% of like cadavers that they looked at, like about 80%. That's kind of like the normal. Um, There are some variations where the sciatic nerve passes through the piriformis, like just right through the middle, like pew. Um, How's that? Okay, thanks. Pew, pew. <laughs> uh, do that on your iPhone, guys. I'm just saying. It creates a nice little laser show. Um, 
There's also a variation where the sciatic nerve passes over the superior portion of the uh, piriformis, so it kind of emerges a little bit sooner and then like kind of like goes from the top down. These are some great explanations. Oh, thank you. And then there's also uh, a variation where the act- the actual sciatic nerve divides itself into two sections as it passes around the piriformis, or even sometimes mm. one of the sections passes through, and then it kind of rejoins itself. Like, yeah, that was that was kind of inter- interesting. You know, something that uh, that I found out early in my career that I feel like it was not stressed in school was how thick nerves are. Yes. They are Especially so the sciatic thick. nerve. Right. This nerve is ginormous. They're giant. Yeah. Like, I feel like they're painted so dainty. Yeah. And itty bitty. But no, they've, they take up some space. Yeah. They take up some mass. For sure. Um, I do think it is important to talk about these anatomical variations because it is such a big deal, when you, especially when you talk about piriformis syndrome. I know sometimes it's kind of like, okay, that's great that I know this, but I can't do, do anything, anything about, it. about it. I also feel like it's kind of like, you know, um, the hesitancy of, of especially physicians to... Yeah give someone MRI on their back or imaging on their back. Like, I feel like, because you might not have any symptoms, but then all of a sudden you see something and then now like you believe it and you have symptoms from it. I feel like that's very much like the sciatic nerve. Like Mm -hmm. it doesn't really matter. Like we're going to treat the symptoms anyway. I feel like, especially for the quote unquote normal person that has, um, like it doesn't matter to them which way their sciatic nerve anatomy is. So I feel yeah. like even bringing this up, I think, is not very helpful. Yeah, like, not oh, for you, you might sure. have a you might have a sciatic nerve that runs through your piriform. No, yeah. like it's. I think that's just too much information yeah. that will get in their head. Uh, and also vice versa with like the imaging for like low back pain stuff. What happens when the MRI comes back normal? Right. Right now you're like, right. oh well, now I don't know why I have pain. Hmm. But yeah, so I think I think it's important at least to know that hey, these people may pre- be predisposed to having like uh, piriformis issues. But like at the end of the day, like like these kind of like an anatomical structures like this, like these anatomical variations are like cool to know. And like I said, like oh, it kind of explains why you're at a higher risk. But it I I can't do anything with that. That's right, not, that's not my deal. Right. You right. know, right? That's great for the surgeon. Like if if mm-hmm. you do have to get surgery, right? Obviously they hope they know right right <laughs> and what they're going to do about it but uh, but still just for like because it's piriformis syndrome right i believe you know we should at least address there are anatomical variations and and that actually occur at a high rate i mean 20 percent of the population having a altered form I mean, that's basically one in five people right. that come in may not have that quote-unquote normal presentation right. or structure right. structural presentation mm-hmm. So, we checked off anatomy. Well, actually, one more. Ooh, we did not check off anatomy. I feel like if you, this has to be said, like it's given, but I feel like it has to be said. I feel like if you are dealing with any neurological anything, especially if stuff's going down the leg, you have to check out the back. And I feel like we didn't give that really justice. Oh, that that will be coming up because we are talking about the evaluation process. Oh, perfect. But yes. Well, I was thinking anatomy. Yeah, and you definitely should need to consider low back pain right right and i mean if that's where it originates yeah and and any lumbar spine pathology so yes that was a great segue (laughs) into how we evaluate piriformis syndrome 
So again, knowing the anatomy of the posterior hip is very important to kind of understand piriformis syndrome. And actually, if you go through the literature, you'll actually start to see a divide in the terminology, right? Piriformis syndrome, you know, is now being lumped into what's called uh, a term that is uh, deep gluteal syndrome. Mm-hmm. Right? And the reason they wanted to do that is because piriformis syndrome is specifically talking about, hey, the piriformis is causing this issue. But as we noted, there are a lot of structures that are around just the sciatic nerve right. in that like, kind of posterior hip, right? There's mm-hmm. each one of the external rotators, like the deep external rotators. Um, the bony anatomy can compress that nerve, uh, the proximal hamstrings, right? So yes, we're specifically talking about piriformis syndrome in this case, but just know deep gluteal syndrome is kind of like that big umbrella term because when you're doing evaluation, right, we're looking at what exactly is compressing that nerve, right? Mm-hmm. So that would probably be the more appropriate term than just piriformis syndrome. But for this lecture, we're going to be just talking about specifically piriformis syndrome. So keep that in mind when you go through that evaluation process that there are a lot more muscles around the area and there are some bony structures too that can also cause the compression as well. Well, for to have just one thing causing compression. Yeah, <laughs> that that would seem very unlikely. Right. Uh, but again, that's where knowing the anatomy and understanding what position people are in when they start to complain of the pain mm-hmm. can also help explain it as well. Mm-hmm. So in those that have piriformis syndrome, uh, patients will complain of pain either in the buttock, the hip, or even the posterior thigh. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can have pain and neurological symptoms that descend through the lower extremity, right? So it can go pretty low, kind of like what we're talking about, like with low back pain too, or right. Uh, right. Uh, neurological symptoms from the low back. Right. Um, this one was kind of key towards piriformis syndrome, uh, but they, they'll complain of pain with prolonged sitting and rising from a seated position. All right, so basically putting the pressure on on their buttock, right? Putting the pressure right. on the nerve, right? Um, and then also trying to use that kind of like that hip extension to kind of get up, right? Activate all those glute and hamstring posterior exactly. chain. Um, some have said like it's kind of like it can get so bad to where you can't even sit about thirty minutes with pain. Oh, dang. Right, so like depending on the level of pain, like it could really affect just sitting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, palpation could reveal a taut piriformis muscle. And it's funny how they described it because they're like, oh, you'll feel like a sausage-like muscle. I'm like, that's weird. <laughs> I, I just don't know why that'd be like, oh, hey, yeah, that's like a sausage. That's just, just really weird. Um, And then they may also have pain over the greater sciatic notch, which again, if you go from PSIS and just had just a little bit inferior, that's that's where your greater sciatic notch is basically at. Not the sausage. Not the sausage. That's your piriformis. That's your literature for you. Scientific literature right there. That's right. This is this is very technical. <laughs> so so that's kind of like that history portion of understanding what are we expecting to hear from our patients? Like what are they complaining about? Right. And then that palpation. Mm-hmm. Right, as we as we talk about with any evaluation, we got gotta talk about special tests. Right. Because right. why not? Um, there are a couple that are described specifically for kind of the piriformis syndrome. Um, again, it's not going to help you identify every structure, but this is helping to identify is the piriformis the problem. Mm-hmm. So there is the active piriformis test, which is basically like a resisted clamshell. Mm-hmm. You basically have them lay on their side, and then they basically kind of lift their knee up. As long as they're not in hip flexion, because if they're in hip flexion, then piriformis becomes an internal Slight. Repair. It's in slight. Like knees are a little bit and hips are a little bit, right. but not full. But not like 90. Yes, you're not in 90. 
All right. So, and basically you just, they bring their knee up and you basically do like a brake test with them, right? So, uh, a positive for this test is basically reproducing their symptoms, whether the pain or the pain descending down the leg, the neurological symptoms, anything that reproduces the symptoms they're complaining about, that would be a positive. Mm-hmm. And the actual metrics on this test are pretty solid. I was just looking at that. Yeah. Sensitivity is 78% and specificity is 80%. Like, that's pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, you could... You'll be happy with taking a test like that. <laughs> uh, then you have the seated piriformis stretch, which essentially the per, the patient's just kind of sitting on the edge of the table. Uh, they'll uh, Their knee is extended, and then you basically put them into slight adduction and then internal rotation. All right, so the idea is it should be putting somewhat of a stretch on that area, right? Hmm. Um, I've never seen this one. I know it's quite kind of interesting. I haven't really used, I haven't actually really used both of these tests. So that's why I was kind of excited to kind of re- read up on them. Mm-hmm. Um, sensitivity is a little low at 50, uh, 52%. Um, so just because it's, uh, you can't, just because it's like negative, you can't necessarily rule it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the specificity is really good at 92%. All right. So like if you have a positive, you probably feel pretty good. Okay. Piriformis could be causing your issues right i mean i feel like what else in that position would you really target you know what i mean exactly yeah um and again a positive is the same thing you're reproducing the symptoms of whatever the patient's complaining of it's interesting because these these two tests kind of test each aspect of what may be causing the compression right mm-hmm. so in the active piriformis test we're actually testing is the muscle because of the contraction causing mm-hmm. compression mm-hmm. or is the muscle stretching on a stretch causing the compression i feel like this is giving very um thoracic outlet syndrome tests yeah <laughs> yeah you're right that's true um you could also use fadir um there are some studies that that talked about it but there really were no stats on its accuracy I feel like when I'm looking at the hip fadir is is one of my go-tos but it also like is so positive on so many people yeah. that it's also like, okay, it gives you information, but it's, it's really not a standalone at all. But it could help you guide that treatment, right? Like, okay, right, well right. they do have hip mobility issues or like an impingement, right? Hey, that may not be, be the diagnosis part, but Hey, right. that could be the, but yeah, you're right. You're probably going to use it in your evaluation of this, this mm-hmm. patient anyways. Mm-hmm. Fadir positive joint mobs. Oh yeah. Thin. I like it. Yeah. We're all about mobility in this house. Are we? Yes, we are. Says the man who can't touch his toes or his shins or his I, knees. I can touch my knees. Mm. Mm-hmm. Anywho. <laughs> you brought it up. But <laughs> and they also talked about, uh, I might be, it is a, I believe it's a French name, so I might be messing this up. La Sigue. La Sigue. That's how I know it. Well, but there's supposed to be like an, an accent, so I thought it was La Ségou. Well, you did take French, but I'm La from, Ségou. From the people who have said it in front of me, who may be incorrect, I'm just gonna go with them. If there are any French <laughs> listeners, please correct us if need be. La Ségou or La Sig sign, <laughs> which basically is just a passive straight leg raise, um, has also kind of been talked about as being used to identify piriformis syndrome. Uh, sensitivity is about 15%, so that's that's not very helpful. But its specificity 
can get up to 95%. Again, Which is crazy because I feel like Lasig, I learned for the back. See, so I think what how we have to kind of view this this test is if your sciatic nerves like really pissed off and you do this, mm-hmm. I think you're going to get like a solid like positive with it. Right. Right. Um, is it coming from the piriformis? I mean, according to the specificity, possibly, but I still think if you're already in that kind of like a, a pissed off sense from the piriformis syndrome, I think you'll get this positive. Whereas I think you'll get this positive on other sciatic nerve issues as well. Right. So right. I don't think it's going to necessarily help differentiate between what a structures or a yeah. muscle. Yeah. I mean, your lumbar spine or your piriformis. Yeah. Um, again, a positive is still the same thing, a reproduction of symptoms. And like we talked about, it is very important that we look at the lumbar spine as well, right? You want to make sure we're not looking at a a disc herniation, uh, spinal stenosis, right? There's countless, um, issues that could be coming from the lumbar spine that are mimicking these symptoms, right? Mm -hmm. So it Mm -hmm. is very important that we do talk about the lumbar spine and making sure we're ruling out all those issues as well. So once you figure out what it is, how do we treat it? <laughs> and a lot of the um, uh, the literature surrounding piriformis syndrome is basically mobilizing the piriformis, right? Either through like stretching and soft tissue work, right? This is this is every athlete's favorite when the elbows start coming out, right? You get the elbow and the glute, and we're starting to rotate the leg, right? Every athlete's a big fan of this. Like, yes and no, though, because I feel like there is a point that all you do is piss it off. Yes, you have to use your clinical judgment about how often am I going to do, or how soon am I going to do this I also feel like people who have an irritated nerve, all they want to do is make it feel better by trying to stretch it because that's what they can do. Yeah. Like, I feel like no one is about the, let me do my TA work. Let yeah. me do my, my pelvis stabilization. Let me do my deep core work. Yeah. Let me do my uh, um, pelvic floor. Let me do my hip flexion. Let me do my... It's almost like, like you read ahead. No, it's called <laughs> I Worked With Performers and they all have piriformis and hip issues. Um, let me do my, um, hip, my, uh, hip uh-huh. abduction that no one wants to do. Yeah. Like everyone just wants to sit and stretch in their yeah. figure four. Yeah. Um, no, for sure. I like, uh, I think one big thing that also kind of like what I do when I treat this, um, is also like mobilizing the nerve itself. Right. Hmm. So neural glides have also been shown to be effective. Right. Cause remember, this this condition, whether it's because like there's different causes that made the piriformis this way, right? right? Whether right. it's acute trauma or anything like that, right? Mm-hmm. Like your body's going to try and heal itself, and it heals itself through scarring, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, our nerves have to glide through the same fascia, the same tissue that our muscles are working with, right? So if there's any scarring around the nerve, now that affects how the nerve moves, right? Only perpetuating the symptoms that these that these patients may be feeling, so. Neural glides have actually been shown to be effective. Um, gliding has been shown to be more beneficial than tensioning. So there are some, there's another nerve mobilization technique, which you basically put the nerve on tension and then relax it, right? The actual gliding part, like actually getting that that string to floss nicely, um, has actually been shown to be a little bit more beneficial than tensioning itself. 
Which I think is funny when you're trying to teach it because um, all people want to do is feel it. Yeah. And <laughs> what you feel a stretch. Right. Right. So you want the stretch sensation, right. but right. it's like nerves don't like a big stretch. Nerves they're, don't they're, like stretch. Nerves don't like compression. That's my, not, that's yes. my biggest. Mm-hmm. That's what I say. Nerves don't like stretch. Don't Nerves don't like two things. They don't like stretch and they don't like to be compressed. Exactly. So we're not going to do either of those things. So we need to keep it happy. <laughs> yes, for sure. I think I think that neural glides have been a way bigger part of my practice than I thought that they ever would be. Yeah. And I feel like they're so useful and I feel like very underrated. No one talks about them. Yeah. Big time. And I mean, shoot, neural glides with hamstring issues are very beneficial. So, mm-hmm. so I, I think, yeah, neural glides don't get a, a big platform that often. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, back to mobilizing the nerve, right? Like I have one patient right now where I actually take take a cup and I go through the posterior thigh and basically go right over where sciatic nerve would track. Mm, like scanning. Yeah. So like, again, like you're right. We're not just treating like that's tough with the literature is right. For research, you can only really you're you can't look at all these variables. that It's almost right, impossible. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. They're looking at one thing at a time. But how often are we only doing one treatment? Hmm. Nah. Well, when they don't come in. Yeah, when they don't come in. <laughs> but right there's, there's so, your uh, control group. Yes. So that's why, if, right, when we do our evaluation, right, we're going more into it, seeing what other, like, hey, are we looking at some uh, hip impingement issues, right? Because that could be causing some issues in the posterior hip, right? That could be the reason why the piriformis is just pissed off, right? So um, keep that in mind. Uh, and then, like Sandra was saying, the strengthening part, right? Pelvic floor does play a role into this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, pelvic- well, your pelvic floor should be activating with your transverse abdominis. And yes. if you think you're going to get anywhere without transverse abdominis activation, <laughs> you're stabili- mistaken. Stabilize the pelvis. It's your basic core muscle. Like it's the one that is involved in pretty much everything. I mean, walking any, anytime you lift your leg or your arm, yeah, I could get on a soapbox about transverse abdominis. I, well, you started with, it's the muscle. It's the muscle. The it muscle. is the muscle. My favorite is uh, uh, when I describe it for for my athletes is it literally looks like a weightlifting belt. Oh, that's a good one. I All guess right. I've I went from performing arts back to traditional, so yeah. it, so like I still keep the corset. Yeah, it's well, like, which is, yeah, which is right, true, right? But yeah, I try to describe it to them as like it's like your body's literal, literally your natural weightlifting belt. That's genius. I think I need, I need to steal that. Yeah, I think your football guys would get a kick out of that. Yeah, I think they like that better than the corset muscle. Yeah, because, you know, half of them are probably trying to strap on the weight of your belt. <laughs> right? Oh, I'm lifting big and need the belt. <laughs> All right? No, well, you, you got one. Yeah. <laughs> your body developed one. You just need to... Activate it better. Yeah. And same thing with the pelvic floor, right? Right. Right, like we talked about when we, I believe, way back when we talked about low back pain and core mm-hmm. stuff, right? Mm-hmm. You got to think of your core as a box. Well, the pelvic floor is the bottom of the box. Mm-hmm. All right, and again, it attaches to use the- box. I use cylinder, like a Coke can. Yeah, that, yeah, or like a uh, soda can. Yeah. Um, but remember that pelvic floor attaches to what? Pelvis, sacrum, right? Well, where's piriformis attached to? Sacrum, right? So there's going to be some kind of influence, right? If one's not doing their job properly, the other one's going to be like, I got to help. Mm-hmm. Right? Our muscles are team players. They like to help each other out. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. Um, I also use the group project analogy. 
like hey this this guy he's doing too much work we gotta send him on vacation get him to calm down <laughs> get the I other like ones one. get the other guys in the in the um in the area to start doing their work for sure um and then finally as with any any pathology i would say glutes are great to stretch uh, to strengthen as well um again a lot of the job of the piriformis is similar to what a lot of the glutes do glute medius glute max glute min Right, so definitely trying to offload the piriformis by strengthening the glutes. Great idea as well. Mm-hmm. There you go. Glutes, I feel like, are one of those things that are involved in everything. Everything. Too. Doesn't everything. matter. It's everything. Even upper body. So hopefully this is less of a pain in the butt going forward. I think that was a good one. I th- I th- it was I quick. Th- yeah. yeah. To the point. To the. There's only so much you can talk about when you talk about piriformis syndrome. Before it becomes a pain in the butt. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. All right, if you guys are interested, again, in those CEUs, make sure you head down to the show notes below. If you are interested in uh, the references, they are on our website. If you are interested in the rest of our podcast, we do every other episode as education or stories. This one was an education episode. Next episode will be our story episode, where we take stories from athletic trainers from all over the world. Super exciting to say. That's so fun. Um, And we condense them into one episode on a certain topic um there have been a lot of people who've reached out about certain topics and i've been writing them down but i kind of lost that list so if you guys are interested in a certain topic up in 2024 because we're basically there yeah um then make sure you message us i will write it on a new fabulous list that i will not lose that's the spirit (laughs) also remember it is a reporting year Oh, it is reporting here. So we work with MedBridge um, as well for CEUs. If you guys are interested in like a long-term subscription, a year, um, it's good for a year. It's $150 off. Use code ATCORNER. We have a bunch of other fun stuff in the show notes and um, stuff like our Facebook group and kind of other places where you can connect with other clinicians like our Instagram. So make sure you... um, Again, all in the show notes. That's all all where... In the show notes. It's where the party's at. where, Where the party's at. You got anything else, Randy? Nope, that was perfect. Thank you for helping us showcase athletic training behind the tape. Bye. <laughs>